So in this fourth episode of Real Trailer Life, we are discussing how we summarize our trailer and get the rig ready for a few months of travel. This episode also includes my friend Heath uh, and a segment we are calling PH Level. Uh Uh-huh, get it? Yeah. E. Patrick, H. Heath, Level. And we're going to be leveling with you on a particular topic. (laughs) So we are Real Trailer Life. My wife, Wendy, and I created this podcast to share our experiences, tips, ideas, and everything that we are doing to prepare for living in our Lance 2285 full time. We are two career professionals working our way towards retirement in our Lance. And we currently live in Bayport, Minnesota with our two Vishlas, Indy and Ruby. So sit back and enjoy the show and welcome to the journey with Real Trailer Life. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Wendy. So I want to let everyone know that we are not professionals in the audio arena at all. So Heath may sound a little bit like he's in a tunnel, but uh, going forward, hopefully we can correct these issues uh, before we submit these for Poor Jim has to fix all of our mistakes. Yeah, so a shout out to Jim Kuzman, who's our audio engineer and uh, sound engineer. And he's been doing a wonderful job uh, on creating the final episodes before we uh, submit them to uh, the world to listen to. Thanks, Jim. Wow. You know, the response that we've gotten from Real Trailer Life has been pretty amazing. Uh, A lot of people are listening to the episodes. And I know that we're relatively new to this whole arena of uh, Podcasts. podcasting, but it's been kind of fun. Are you still enjoying yourself? I am. It's always fun. So <laughs> with that, uh, let's get into the session uh, where Heath and I talk about summarizing our trailers. So with that all being said, today we are welcoming a great friend and fellow RVer, Heath. Welcome, Heath. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? Uh, you know, it's a great day. So let's take some time to introduce Heath and how Heath and I know each other. Uh, we live in the same neighborhood, and we're both on the HOA for our community. And I think it was probably in 2017 when you and I started talking about buying RVs. I think It had to be pretty close to that time, yeah. Um, and we tried several times to get to an RV show together, but that never really kind of panned out. We had it set up this year, and then, of course, everybody knows what happened in January, uh, early February. So they were, that got canceled, and uh, yeah, we've tried. just never happened. And it's been kind of a real bummer, but, you know, we ended up getting beyond that. And, you know, the subscribers know that Wendy and I bought a Lance 2285 in May of 2020, and then, Heath, you weren't far behind. No, we uh, we bought our trailer, which is a Heartland North Trail 24 DBS. Uh, we bought that in uh, February of uh, 2021. So just, a just over a year. a year ago. Right. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about your unit. Well, first of all, as I said, North Trail, Heartland North Trail 24 DBS. We were specifically uh, looking for a bunkhouse. We've got two uh, young girls, eight and five. So we were looking for a bunkhouse. We saw this one online, and we literally went to uh, the RV place to look at it and uh, put some money down. Uh, Thankfully, we did, because if we hadn't, there was five other people in line waiting for the trailer. But it checked a lot of boxes for us. Um, It's got one large slide-out, which gives us lots of room. It's actually a very large slide-out, probably two-thirds of the trailer. So it's a a decent-sized trailer, not too big, but it's the right size for our family. Uh, it's got a king-size bed up front, as I mentioned, bunkhouse, uh, U-shaped dinette. The bunkhouse is in the rear, correct? Yeah, yep. It's, uh, if, you're, if you're looking uh, at the front of the trailer, you know, facing the trailer, it's on the right-hand side, so the, the, the power side. And then it's, what, 31 feet long? Yeah, just over uh, uh, nose to tail, uh, just over 30 feet. So I think it's like 30 feet, uh, 9 inches or something like that, so... Um, good size, uh, but not too big. We can get into a lot of campsites. Uh, not all, but uh, most. It's worked out quite well. It's got uh, two fresh, or, sorry, one fresh tank, two great tanks, uh, about 80 gallons. Uh, the fresh water can hold 45 gallons. Uh, all said and done, about 6,000 dry weight. So 
not too bad, uh, but it's you know it's it's pushing my truck a little bit, but it, it pulls it just fine. We went to Black Hills and it did just fine. So, so in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, getting our rigs ready for our season of travel, and most people call it dewinterizing. Uh, we kind of prefer to use the term summarizing as it's a little bit more positive, and we really want to get winter far behind us. Yes, win- winter is done. It's over, officially over, regardless of how many false springs we do have. So Heath and I both um, store our units at the same storage facility, which is quite expensive at this point. But <laughs> that's a- yeah, we just that that's a whole another episode there. We, we just won't touch that one. But uh, yeah, you're actually the one that turned me on to that uh, that place. Um, it, it is convenient. It's nice, uh, but. Uh, They've, they've raised the price twice on us. So. Yeah, it's gotten pretty expensive. Yeah. So let's talk about how we assess the exterior of our trailer when we first get back to um, our trailers to start getting them ready for the season. Yeah, I mean, um, you'll, you'll probably find out through the episode I'm, I'm extremely logical and I like to do things uh, in some sort of a pattern. So everybody should probably know that Heath is a pilot. Uh, that is correct. So I'm very uh, checklist-oriented, um, you know, very... Um, Wait, you have to use checklists when you fly a plane? Yes, <laughs> thankfully. And, and it's it's good that we have them because uh, uh, we are human and we do forget. Uh, that's also why there's two of us uh, up front. Uh, but no, I shouldn't say that. But uh, uh, yeah, no, checklists are great. Um, my wife hates them, but, uh, but uh, I use them anyway. So I, I generally kind of walk around in you know, just real basic terms, you know, I pull up to the camper, just walk around, you know, I generally go to the left first if I'm facing the camper, um, you know, just take a general look at the the cover, see if there's any rips, anything that needs to be repaired before I uh, winterize it again. Any tampering that may have been done with the unit. Any tampering, um, yeah, and just any areas to to note as, as we get further. And then, you know, obviously, Make sure the chalks are still in. Um, actually, um, I went out there probably a month and a half ago or so, and I found one of my X chalks uh, laying on the ground. Oh, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, I, I mean it, and the other one was loose as well. So I don't know if it was the, the temperature. Obviously, the tires could have shrunk. Well, I think we also went through some periods of pretty high wind, and that could have shifted the trail around quite a bit i mean really high winds we've had a lot of really weird weather in fact it's really windy white right now and you may be able to hear some of the wind in the microphones as we're recording this uh yeah i mean that that's a possibility too um i also know that uh it was my first time winterizing um so i didn't want to put the x chucks too tight uh to uh put any uh unnecessary stress on the tires mine are pretty tight um so that could have been a problem and a lesson learned there too so sure so we check the general condition of uh the tires as well um uh, make sure the x chucks uh are, are, are there or, or we're still there <laughs> um do you check your tire pressures um i i probably not at this point um but uh it, i mean that's never a bad idea i mean i would probably i mean we haven't even got the cover off yet so i'll probably I'd probably take the cover off first, but I mean, it's important to check them. So we get the cover off. Uh, we put that away according to whatever the directions are from the manufacturers for the cover. Uh, then we take a look at the outside. Yeah, I mean, see if there was uh, any uh, any damage from the from the cover, from you know wind damage, uh, you know, slapping against the exterior. Um, you know, take a look at the uh, you know just general general condition i mean we're really basic here i mean we're not getting too picky yet i mean we just want to get the trailer home at this point so we want to make sure we'll get from a to b safely right and typically what we do is we'll go pick up the trailer up we'll bring it home park it in the street or our driveway um, for a weekend and do kind of our yearly inspection uh, to be able to do like a, a thorough cleaning and make sure that everything is ready for the for the season um, I always check the tire pressure um, before I leave, but I have a TPMS system. Uh, you and I have had discussions about TPMS, and I think that you just purchased a TPMS system. I did. Uh, purchased it uh, in January. Uh, honestly, haven't even pulled out of the box yet. Haven't even pulled the plastic off. So uh, I need to, uh, yeah, I purchased a TireMinder A1AS. I chose this one, honestly, because uh, of its flexibility. I mean, I can add... 
Um, I can add up to 22 tires, I think. So I, I only got four at the moment. Five, actually. I only got four. You have a spare. Well, no, I only got four monitors. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we uh, mine came with four, and I added a fifth monitor to uh, monitor the spare, which is our spare is mounted underneath our trailer. Yeah, and actually, um, I mean, this is probably a bit off topic, but I took our spare off. I put a uh, Blackstone mount in the back, and it wasn't... There was no really place I could put it, so I keep the spare in the back of my truck. But in the bed of your truck, right? But that, that's a that's a bit off topic. But uh, the other reason I chose uh, the one that I did was it, it's also a smartphone app, uh, so I can monitor it on my smartphone. Uh, my wife will be chuckling right now, but uh, I like to monitor everything on my smartphone, and I can do that because I don't have a I don't have a lot of excess space in the truck for the for the. It is a large monitor that came with it. And I as I said, I haven't even opened the box yet, so I got to figure out where I'm going to put it in the truck. But if I didn't have a spot that I didn't, or if I couldn't find a spot that I didn't like, or was was in my you know field of vision, um, I can always just use it on my phone. So that was a, a benefit of that. Perfect. So then uh, we kind of look at all the storage compartments, the battery compartments. We make sure that all the locks are not tampered with and uh, make sure that everything is as we left it in the fall when we parked it. I always like to get up on the roof before I move the trailer um, just to make sure that uh, everything is copacetic as far as the roof goes. Uh, then after I make sure everything's fine on the roof I open up the doors, I go inside the trailer. Um, I want to make sure when I store my trailer uh, in the fall, I jack my doors open so that I don't get mold and mildew inside of the refrigerator. Um, and then uh, I want to make sure that all the other storage compartments are closed, the doors are closed to make sure that if we're moving the trailer, those aren't going to open and uh, become damaged. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, the big thing for me here is uh, to see if my pest control uh, worked. Yeah, so we no, use... Uh, no mice evidence. Um, we use the grandpas. We've been using grandpas. I think you have grandpas also. I do. I use the pouches, and I also put some spray down. And this is, the first, obviously, like I said, the first year I've winterized. So in a following episode, we can let you know how it worked. So then we hook our units up. Uh, we go through that whole process. We uh, remove the... We chalk the tires before... At least I chalk the tires before I move the, remove the X-chalks. Um, just because if the trailer's going to move, I want to make sure that I have chocks in front of those tires. I do as well. Uh, raise the stabilizers. I don't. Do you put your stabilizers down in the winter? I do. Um, it's funny. Funny you should ask that because as I was parking it for the winter, I was kind of wondering if they should be down all winter. Um, I'm not really not going to hurt anything to be down, but just for longevity of the stabilizers, rusting, you know, exposed to the elements, so on and so forth. Um, obviously, hopefully, when we go to move the trailers, there is no ice to uh, keep the uh, Lego blocks from, you know, frozen to the to the pavement. But um, so I always put mine down, and I think this year was especially important for us to have them down with all of the wind that we experienced over the winter and into this spring. Yeah, I I typically do as well. But as I said it was just something. It's funny you should you ask that because I was thinking about that. I did I did as I said put them down. Um, and, I, and I probably will continue to just because a stabilizer is a lot easier to replace than a trailer. Right, exactly. Um, then we connect the wall hitch, raise our, our uh, tongue jack all the way up, um, get our weight distribution bars hooked up. And uh, you have an equalizer and I have a Husky, so it's kind of the same concept. Um, Pretty much, yeah. The, the snap-in bars. Yep. Uh, and then make sure that the electrical plug is plugged in. Uh, and check the emergency brake or make sure the emergency brake cable is also connected. Connect the safety chains and do a final walk around before we actually move it. And actually, if I, if, uh, I could back up one minute, I've sure. actually got to connect my uh, electrical cord before I do anything, even raise it, because I took my battery out. Not necessary, I've got a lithium-ion battery, so it wasn't necessary, but it was easy to do, so I did it. So you're using the, the electricity from your truck rather than the electricity from batteries that aren't there? Correct, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then we check the lights, make sure all the parking lights are working, brake lights, turn signals. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, it is important. And one thing that I I generally remember when I've gotten in the truck and about ready to go, and then I remember that I haven't, <laughs> haven't looked at the lights. 
Uh, but I, it's uh, it's an important part. Uh, you know, you don't want anybody rear-ending you. So. So with this new Ford F one fifty, I have an app uh, that Ford gives me, and I can stand outside of the truck, and I can push left blinker, right blinker, brake lights, and uh, on the app on my phone, and it'll do that with the, that the, is, the truck. That is both amazingly convenient. As it is lazy. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. I wanted, you knew I wanted to say it. Right. <laughs> so one of the things that I always do is once I have everything set, I'm ready to move, I move my truck about 50 feet and then I stop. And I get back out and I do a double check on everything. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always, we are human, as I said earlier. And as many checklists or as many processes as we follow, as many times as, we, as we've hooked up or disconnected, um, it's it's easy to forget. And it's it takes a very minimal amount of time uh, for the peace of mind to know that you haven't forgotten anything or that something didn't break. Right. And then I always... Ch- uh, test the trailer brakes. Yeah, honestly, and again, I, I this is one of the things that I generally forget till I'm about 200 yards down the road, or you know, about to the gate uh, of of the uh, of the storage facility, and go, oh yeah, I got to do that. So again, it's it's just uh, all, we've got all these things to remember to do to ensure that we have. Uh, a safe travel, most importantly, a fun travel, um, and it's, it's a lot of stuff to remember. There's so much to remember when it comes to, to a travel trailer, and that's why I think checklists are critical. They're beneficial, yeah. It, it's not going to hurt. I actually downloaded the checklist app onto my phone. I haven't used it as much as I thought I would. I've discovered I'm kind of the one or the type of person that if I if I write it down or type it out. I have a better time remembering it. I mean, that's not the purpose of a checklist isn't to memorize it, but I'm able to remember things a a bit more like, you know, it's just easier for me to recall everything that I remember writing. So we get the trailer home. You park yours on the street. I park mine in the driveway. Yeah, mine doesn't fit. Yeah, yours is a little long. Um, we do a complete, again, a total complete visual expect, inspection of the outside of the trailer. Um, checking all the window seals, uh, making sure all the compartment seals are good, all the locks are good, all the closing mechanisms work. Personally, I like to climb a, a, again up on the roof, uh, and I do a complete expect, inspection of the roof, and I'm looking at you know, all the places where the vents go, the antenna goes, the skylights, uh, the fans, just to make sure that all those seals are good and there's no sign of water damage or any leakage. Yeah, when I, I, I'll get definitely get up on the roof when I get mine home. Um, you know, I, I may... Uh, do you have a ladder on the back of your trailer? I do. See, I do not. Um, I actually, when, I, when we bought the trailer... Um, it's one of the things I requested that the dealer install because I didn't want to deal with that hassle. Uh, come to find out, there's not enough structure in the back of my particular model to put a put a, uh, a ladder there. So that was part of what I paid for in the package. They thought they could do it. They couldn't, obviously, so they threw in a, uh, a collapsible ladder. So it's a bit more of a hassle for me to get up on the roof. Uh, of course, I still do it, um, but which is why I may not do it at the storage facility, but I would definitely, once I got home, you know, the opportunity to have all tools there and, and just not feel as rushed at home versus at the storage facility. Um, definitely get up on top and make sure all of the vents that I installed haven't come undone and <laughs> there's no holes in the roof. Yes, and, and the... prevent covers, I should say. The, right. The, the latter aspect for us on the Lance uh, was one of the selling points because Lance includes a uh, ladder on... All of their travel trailers and there is some rumor that a lot of the ladders are going to be going away on travel trailers i'm not sure that lance will go away from that uh lance's uh, cost i think that you know they're just getting away from uh additional costs uh but i think that i think it's important to have a ladder whether it's a telescope a telescoping ladder like the one that you use or a ladder that's attached to the back no it's i would I don't want to say necessity, but highly, highly recommended. Uh, some way to get up on top of the roof. I mean, just as you were saying, to to check, make sure everything is kosher, check the condition uh, of the roof itself, um, let alone, you know, when you're leaving the campground. Right. To sweep off your, your slide out. 
So that's a, that's a very important point, and most people don't realize if you have a slide out, you need to get on top of the roof before you move that slide out back in and brush off any debris that's on top of that slide out before you bring that in because that can damage the seals that are on the top of the um, slide out, and it can also prevent damage to the slide out itself or the trailer itself. I do know a bit about a damaged slide out, not yeah. of my own doing. Yeah, that's a whole other episode, I think. It, it is. Uh... Long story short, it's fixed now, but we lost our camper for about two months. So another thing that I like to do is uh, check all of... Heath and I both put these screens over all of our vents on the outside for insects. So I like to open to make sure that those are still in place. Even remove those just to make sure that there's no debris or any bugs haven't gotten inside of there. Open up like the furnace and the, um, co the uh, covers for the refrigerator. Uh, as well as the water heater and make sure that no critters have created homes within inside of those uh, appliances that could create some hassles for us. Um, things like spiders. Um, spiders build nests, they lay eggs, and those can become problems. Mud daubers are huge and most people don't know that the smell of propane is an, actually an attractant to uh, wasps and mud daubers. And, yeah. Um, they like the warmth and they like the smell. And if you don't have covers on there, I highly suggest that you get some covers that will prevent them from getting inside of there. Again, it's kind of a completely agree, and it's it's kind of a cheap investment slash insurance. Cheap life insurance. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, and then I want to open up all the vents and all the windows, uh, make sure that they're all functioning uh, and just get some air, get some uh, breeze going through there, air out that unit because it's been sitting all winter. Yeah, get it to, uh, hopefully it's fresh air, right? I mean, and it's not too cold, uh, but uh, some air moving through it, uh, you know, move the windows, uh, check all the cupboards, you know, just kind of, again, just a general, general walkthrough, get it opened up. Feel, you know, feeling like home again. Right. So then I go on to the 12-volt system. I want to make sure that the 12-volt system's working fine. So I hook up my batteries. Um, this year it's going to be a little different because we purchased the lithium batteries and I'm going to have to change the converter out uh, before I install those batteries. And I'm also putting in a battery shunt for a better, better battery monitor that I didn't have in the past. Uh, before I install my... With the old AGM batteries, it was pretty easy because those are pretty maintenance-free. If you're using the the lead-acid batteries, you need to make sure that the charge is good. Um, you need to make sure that there's no corrosion. You need to make sure that the water level inside of those batteries is good. And we, I personally put my AGMs onto a trickle charger all winter long, so I know that they're pretty, uh, they're in pretty good shape. So. Um, once those are in place, uh, get them all tied down, get them all secured, make sure the cables are tight, uh, turn the battery switch to the on position, and then I check everything inside of the trailer on the 12-volt system. Yeah, I, it's, it's a slightly different for me because I don't, um, I mean, I, I went right to the lithium-ion batteries, so I've actually got to plug in a shore power so I can, first, so I can uh, push the slide out so I can get to where I've uh, installed the batteries. My batteries aren't on the tongue. Uh, we, I put them sensors list them on and they can go inside. Um, I wanted to protect the investment uh, just from uh, thieves as well as the uh, environment. So I, we put it, uh, I wired it under, underneath the uh, storage of our of our bed. Under your master bedroom. Yep. Yeah. So the Lance has two locking storage battery compartments uh, that are accessed to the exterior. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, it's really nice. So that's where we put ours. Yeah, I, it's, it's kind of funny because I actually bought a battery box. I had to install, it's a, a lockbox, our, our RV lockbox. Uh, highly suggested, wonderful wonderful product, but I uh, had to install that, and then I'm not even using it for batteries. Right. Uh, but I'm still glad I installed it because I use it for all of the uh, leveling box and and uh, uh, chalks and stuff, so it's, it's great. And it locks, for that. too. Expensive storage for that, but uh, it works, and I like it. So. so then the next thing I like to do is take a look at the freshwater system. Um, the first thing that we need to do is we need to get all the pink stuff out of there. Uh, so typically what I'll do is I'll put a five gallon bucket underneath my low point drains. Uh, I'll open up those low, low point drains and then go inside of the trailer and open up all of the faucets, um, the shower, 
the sinks, uh, everything, and just let that uh, pink stuff drain out. So what, do you put the bucket underneath the low points to collect it all? Yeah, because it really shouldn't go into the groundwater. It's kind of not very environmentally friendly. And some people say that you can reuse that, although I probably would not reuse it again in another year. Um, yeah, and then I'll put some fresh water into the fresh water tank. I'll turn the pump on. Um, so do you, before, before you do that, do you connect to quote unquote city water? No. Turn on, no. The, just turn it, just open up everything up and let it all drain first before yep. you push it out? Yeah, and then I'll put fresh water into the fresh water tank. And then I'll use the water pump uh, to um, push all of the rest of the pink stuff out before I hook up to city water. Interesting. Any, any particular reason you don't do city water first? Um, because the city water doesn't go through the water pump. The city water uses the pressure from city water where I need to get all the pink stuff that's out of the water pump as well. Right. I was just curious what, if there was any particular reason you did the pump before the city water. It's, Six and one logically for me, it's, it's, it's easier to do the city water first and then, and then the pump. And then the last thing, once I know that there's clear water running through all of that, uh, then I'll open up the... Uh, water heater bypass and then I'll also turn on the um, outlets to the outdoor shower and make sure that the outdoor shower is also uh, pink free. Yeah one of the things I honestly forgot to mention um, is kind of a theme here we got so many things hard to remember them all um, when I first would walk in uh, prior to you know before even plugging into shore power as we if we back up just walking into the trailer making sure that the water heater is off the water heater elements off that it didn't get uh, accidentally switched on or something like that before you plug into power to burn that out so yep yeah. and then the, the other thing you want to make sure is that your water heater plug is installed yeah. yeah and you want to make sure that it's installed so then we move over to sanitizing the fresh water system yeah this is going to be actually pretty critical for me this year uh when i was winterizing uh my system um, and I, I drained, you know, did one last drain and, and tested the low points. Um, I actually had some antifreeze come out of the, the freshwater low points. So Yeah, I remember that because I was helping you then. Yeah. So, so there's some kind of a uh, backflow valve that's not functioning in that system. Uh, well, it's uh, it, it was under warranty, or it is under warranty, so um, it, it's one of the uh, items. Uh, I got an appointment with the dealer to uh, finish up some, you know, warranty items and uh, just do an annual check of brakes and whatnot, but uh, that's on the list. So this is going to be pretty critical for me uh, this year to make sure I get this sanitized. I didn't have the opportunity to do it last year, so it's going to be quite critical for me to do that this year. But um, So the way that we uh, sanitize our freshwater system, and I, I, if you check with your manufacturer's uh, directions, most of them are pretty much the same. Uh, we use a quarter cup of house bleach um, for every gallon of water and we like to we have a 45 gallon freshwater tank and I want to fill that up to about 40 gallons uh, and uh, we pour uh, the, the that whole system into the into the freshwater tank so you pour one gallon of solution for each 15 gallons of uh, tank capacity uh, and then fill up the freshwater tank you want to open up uh, all of your um, faucets and your water heater relief valve and let the water flow through all of your lines also so that that uh, solution gets into those lines as well. Uh, then you want to turn your pump off and you want to let it sit in that whole area for at least three hours. Do you do one faucet or one uh, spigot or at a time or do you just open them all up and let it go? Yeah, so you should start with the farthest one away from your freshwater tank and then move close to your freshwater tank. Uh, and, but I do them all, okay. including the toilet. Well, no, but I mean, uh, do you open them, open them up singly. all at once? Or no, single? singly. Okay. okay. Um, and then uh, you want to drain that and you want to flush that after the three hours or however many hours your manufacturer suggests that you do it for. Uh, and then if you have a chlorine taste or a chlorine order, odor in there, I won't really, what I do is I will fill my, my freshwater tank up three or four times and just dump the water out. Um, and usually that will get rid of it. But you can put in one quart of vinegar to five gallons of water and let that sit for eight hours or more and that will get rid of that chlorine smell or taste. Did you have any taste last year? Because no. you did this last year and as I mentioned, I didn't have the opportunity to do this. So I had no problems with ours at all. Okay. And then uh, just... 
for clarification for the listeners, uh, you fill up, you know, one gallon per 15 gallons in your tank and then you one quart one. for 15 gallons. I, sorry, I was back. I, or I, five I, gallons. I was talking about the chlorine. Oh, sure. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one gallon for every 15 gallons and then you fill the rest up with fresh water. Correct. So if you have a 45 gallon freshwater tank, three gallons of the chlorine solution. Correct. The rest fresh water. Correct. So there is an inline water filter on ours, and I don't know if you have that, but right at our water pump, there's an inline filter. And you want to make sure that you check that filter every year um, to make sure that there's no debris in there, there's no sludge in there, things that uh, that filter is designed to do. And most of these filters you can uh, really take off and clean manually and put back on. We do not have a filter. I'd look right at your water pump. You might see that there's a little filter there. Talking like the little, like the little screen? Yeah. There's so right before your water pump, there's like a filter and it's maybe, you know, two or three inches by three inches or something. It's pretty small, but it, it, it cleans out a lot of the big sediment before it gets to the water filter. Uh, and then we check the propane system. Yeah, the propane system. Uh, this is a, a really important one uh, to check. Make sure there's no leaks. Uh, the easiest way to check uh, your propane tank is with soapy water. Not your propane tank, but your connections. You want to check all your connections uh, to the propane tank, to the regulator, to your LP Quick Connect if you have one. Um, check them with soapy water. You know, turn on turn on your propane. Obviously, of course, just listen. That's your first indicator. If you can, if it can hear a leak, obviously shut it off right away. Um, but obviously most of the time leaks, um, you can't really hear, so use soapy water. Um, either use a washcloth uh, that's soapy and kind of dab it, or you can just use a, a water bottle with a soap, a soapy solution and squirt it on there. And, and you'll see, if there's a leak, you'll see bubbles. Uh, of course, if you do, uh, you know, turn off your propane right away and uh, either tighten that connection or, you know. Get it serviced. Serviced or, you know, right. yeah, fix the leak. Right. So there's a new product out there called Gas Stop. And basically, you hook it up to your propane tank, and then you take your connection from your RV and you hook it up to the gas stop. And if there's a major propane leak, the gas stop will shut off your propane. So this is a device that you that is in line. In line. So it, and it remains in line. It's not just a one-time check. No, nope, you leave it in line. Should you run propane when you're driving down the road, or even when you're away from your RV? Personally, we shut off our propane if we leave our RV for a day hike or anything like that. Um, but if you did not, and there was a major propane leak, the gas stop will actually shut off the propane. I, I, I hadn't heard of this. This would be something good to put in the episode notes for yeah, the listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a, leak, a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> Do you see that leak link? Right. Didn't even know you did that. Right. <laughs> uh, so then you want to turn on uh, all your burners. Uh, you want to make sure that everything's working fine. Your propane's working fine. Run your heater to make sure your heater's working fine. And lastly, if you have a propane-driven uh, refrigerator, you want to make sure that that's working as well. Yeah, I, this, the stove is always one that I have a hard time remembering how to prime. Uh, so I actually put some labels on the stove as to how to prime it so I didn't have to get the manual. Uh, every time, because I, you know, I, I obviously we shut it off when it's parked, so I got to prime it every time we go camping. And I was, I got sick and tired of looking in the manual. I can remember it. So, yeah. And, and for, for people that don't know, if you try to turn on your refrigerator on propane and it won't start, it just keeps going to blinking status or it won't start. Run some gas through your stove, and then you can like for 30 seconds, and then retry your refrigerator. And a lot of times. For us, that's one of the things that will fix it so that our refrigerator will start working under propane. Yeah, it, it, our, I, I've noticed um, on our trailer, you know, I, I as well start with the stove first just to, you know, get gas in the lines, you know, gases, LP gases in, in the lines. And then I, I will turn off, you know, the auto on the refrigerator and then probably five or ten minutes later, start, it'll start beeping as soon as it goes on um, propane. Um, and then I just have to reset it and it'll stop. And I, I haven't... It's on my list of questions for the uh, for the dealer. When you bring it in, yeah. If that's common, or or if there's, I mean, and, and then it stops after that. Weird. Yeah, I, I, so I don't know. Um, and then a general inspection. You want to re make sure that you're changing your 9-volt batteries in your smoke detector. We actually replaced our smoke detector, uh, and we put in one that has a lithium-ion battery that lasts for 10 years. 
um, it was a pretty easy fix uh, rather than having to replace a battery every uh, season. We just know that uh, our battery is going to work for 10 years. Yeah, and, and, I mean, just uh, in, in general there as well. I mean, just check things that you have batteries in everywhere. The co uh, CO2 detector. CO2, uh, uh, the mo carbon monoxide detector CO2, is a big one. Not carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide. Right. Uh, check that one. Uh, you know, remotes, uh, batteries in the remotes. Your you know? fire extinguishers, make sure that yeah. they're, uh, they're healthy. Wendy and I just added a couple, uh, a new fire extinguisher uh, into our trailer, so we have one at each door. We have two doors, and then uh, we also added a fire extinguisher to our truck. Yeah, I, you know, I, fire extinguishers are important, and I, I really like the tip that you gave the listeners uh, last episode about the fire extinguisher in the truck. Uh, I hadn't thought about that, uh, but it's a, that's, it's a good idea to be able to have something accessible, uh, brake fires or something, you know, anything... Uh, that can help. So that was that was a good tip. I think I'm gonna get one for my truck. So then I check for the the 120 volt system. Um, we actually have a 30 amp plug in our garage. I'm thinking someday you're gonna put a 30 amp plug into your garage as well. Yeah, that's it's probably after the the, the heater, but uh, or maybe at the same time. But uh, it would be a lot easier. But yeah, so my my 120 volt as I mentioned earlier is, is prior to my 12 volt because I got to get the slide out so I can get the 12 volt up and up and working gotcha but um you know when i do that you know plug it in my big thing is i plug it in and just listen right i mean generally speaking if you can just listen and something sounds weird you know how your trailer sounds right you, you know if there's something weird and doesn't sound right so listen you know listen to your trailer and it will may give you a clue if, if something's wrong but uh and then of course you know once it is plugged in go check your Circuit breakers, fuses. All your fuses, yeah. Uh, turn turn all the lights on, all the lights off. Air conditioner. Air conditioner is uh, a big one. Stove fan, refrigerator. So then what we do is we, we want to move our slide out. You've already had your slide out. Yeah, my slide's um, already out. One of the things that I always highly suggest, we have the ability to see the tracks for our um, slides on the inside of the trailer. And before I even move that trailer, or that slide out, I want to make sure I lube all of the tracks that we have on that slide. Uh, and then we move the slide out. Uh, and then... What kind of lube do you use? Uh, we use a three-in-one slide lube. Okay. It's by the company 3-in-1, 3-in-1 Oil Company. They've been around for years, and most of the products that we have, whether it's for windows or for seals or for anything, is all 3-in-1. And we actually keep all of that stuff in, like, um, one of those uh, bags that you can get at the wine store where you can get, like, six bottles of wine for 10% okay. off. We yeah. have one of those bags, and each one of those has a different Is, is your slide on, on uh, a rail system? Yes. Yeah. So mine's all cable. Right. So I bought the slide, the, the lubrication for the slide beforehand, or didn't really, I didn't really check, so I still have it. But uh, yeah, mine's all cable, so I don't really, there's nothing really to... I mean, there's some rollers, but it's it's a roller, so it's not really like... Yeah, again, I think... Gears. Right, right, and you're going to just want to look at your manufacturer's uh, specs for how to maintain the... Yeah. It, maintain it's, that. It, you know, so mine's slightly different. You check the gears and the tracks and the tracks. You know, I kind of check the rollers... Uh, make sure all the screws, uh, you know, that the pieces of plastic that the rollers slide on. Right. Uh, that that's not attached. Um, that's honestly what started the problem with my slide. One of the screws came loose and bent the slide. So. Right. So then the last... I will be checking those more often. Yeah, that was a huge... You were out without your rig for a couple of months, right? Yeah, it was the uh, the supply chain issues... You know, dealer over. Well, no, it was it was parts. Right, and I'm sure the dealers were inundated with repairs and. Yeah, honestly, I, I well. you know one of the reasons uh, we chose the dealer that we did was because it was a smaller company, and uh, they gave us some great. You know, I feel like they definitely did the best with the situation that they were given. The benefits of a uh, independent dealer as opposed to a camping world or. Um, something along those lines, which are another future episode. Huge, yeah. Anyway, we digress. We, I believe, we're done with. The, are we done with the one twenty volt yeah, system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To kind of recap everything, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, I'm very logical. I'm in very, I'm very sequential order. So if I would, if I were to give any advice to the listeners, it would be just to go, you know, take the time. Don't be rushed. Go in a logical order that works for you. Correct. You know, walk around your trailer. If you're stopping at every little thing, every little vent, whether it's the awning, the water heater plug, 
you know, the door locks, the, the cargo doors, the spare tire in the back, the hitch in the back, windows, slide outs, whatever you name it, you know, walk in a logical pattern that works for you. If you're going to go system by system, take time, or if you just, you know, if you see something, stop, you know, check the system thoroughly. Um, like you were saying, you know, with the water filter, you know, uh, right. take the time and make sure you've got, you've done and looked through everything now. So you don't lose out on any time camping for right. the summer. Get right. it fixed now. Take the time now before your first trip. And if you're lucky, you don't miss your first trip. If, you, if you're not lucky, you can catch it early and maybe miss only your first trip. Yeah, and every trailer, every RV, if it doesn't come with an owner's manual, there's one available that's on uh, the Internet. Um, and you should, you should have one of those downloaded. You should have a copy of that. My RV is different than Heath. And... You know, what his specs are are different than my specs. What his manufacturer requires are different than what my manufacturer requires. And you really want to know what your manufacturer is saying for each of the different systems and how you should handle those different systems. And, you know, I've, um, as usual, I mean, a lot of that information is, the owner's manuals are very useful and definitely follow them, read them. Um, I would stress read them. Uh, there is a lot of good information in there. A lot of people don't actually read them, um, but there's a lot of good information. But they're also very generic. Right. Um, and you do have to do a lot of research on your own. I made a cheat sheet throughout from my owner's manual, and, and I also went through different areas of, of information where I could grab, whether I did some research on the Internet um, and have a little cheat sheet for myself of just real basic information, you know, capacities, uh, you know, for trailer wiring. I got a diagram or a picture that came from the owner's manual of, you know, the wires, what, what they're for. Yeah. And I uh, actually of, of contacted Lance and they sent me a, they sent me a schematic, which I was have, really, have, which was trailer specific, which was really nice. Yeah. I have one from Heartland as well. Um, I re, I requested that when I was installing the batteries just so I could see where everything was. So you can always reach out to your manufacturer and ask for these things. And most, most of them are going to supply that, that data to you. you. Know, it, it, once you get to the right person um, at the manufacturer, more often than not, they're extremely helpful. Right. And then the biggest thing that we end everything with is cleaning our rig, doing a thorough wash. Uh, And I think that you take a lot of pride in uh, cleaning your unit and getting it all nice and shiny for the year. Uh, as do I. I think that that's a real critical, import, uh, important step because as you're washing that rig, you're getting to see everything that everything around that rig, yeah. whether it's a seal, whether it's a window, whether it's you know uh, some scratch that you have that you didn't know was there before, yep. or any damage that maybe you weren't aware of that was there before. Yeah, and, and it, that ties into you know as we mentioned earlier, like you you know if you don't know, you should know your rig. Um, and, you know, washing the exterior not only helps you learn your rig, what's there, what isn't there, what is there now that wasn't there before. And it's not to mention it's, a, again, a, a cheap, cheap investment to protect your investment. Right. Anything else you want to tell you that I want to talk about? No, it's, uh, this was interesting, Patrick. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to more episodes. I know we've got quite the list going uh, of topics it's been a pleasure, you know, being part of the uh, or being introduced to the community and being part of the community. And uh, if you know, the community has any suggestions of issues that you would like uh, Patrick and I to uh, to discuss, um, we're not professionals in any stretch of the imagination, but we are two individuals who uh, take pride in our rigs uh, and do our do our research and like to uh, uh, help people out. So if there's any suggestions that you guys have that you would like uh, Patrick and I to uh, level with you on about whether it's just our opinion uh, or whatever. We're always glad to give opinions. So we're also going to do a campground review and uh, we're going to talk about a place called the Roost Resort. Yeah, the Roost Resort. So you stayed there. South Dakota. Yeah, you stayed there last year and we're actually staying there this year. Yeah, it was uh, it was a nice little resort. Uh, It was on our trip uh, trip out obviously to the Black Hills. Uh, We stayed in Chamberlain on the way out there. Uh, But the the main... uh, base camp was the Roost Resort here. Uh, it's a very nice little campground. There's only probably about uh, 12, uh, let's see here, 11 sites, I believe. Uh, so it's a very quaint little, uh, quaint little site. We were in site number eight, uh, for those of you uh, 
looking at a map or may look up a map. We were at site number eight. Yeah, I think we're staying in five. Yeah, five will be a good one. Um, eight was a nice site. It was easy to back into, um, go around the loop, and then just back right in. I want to say five is a pull-through site. It is. Yeah, I was, I'm looking at the map right here. Uh, but it, it is a it's a very it's a it's a husband wife combination. I believe they live in Phoenix uh, or travel to Phoenix during the summer. So if you're making your reservations early, they're probably not even in uh, South Dakota. But uh, you know it's it's a it's away from the main road. It's just outside of Custer, just to the east of Custer. Uh, so it's away from the main road. So nice and quiet. Um, uh, sites eleven and ten or ten and eleven have a little bit better view uh, of the prairie. But uh, some things that my wife and I liked about it, um, it's very secluded, small. You know, you got to know the, your, your neighbors. Nice views. You know, they all had, I shouldn't say all, this. some of them are full hookups, but ours had them. But most of them have electrical and water. I think ours, the one that we're staying at, has full hookups. Yeah, I believe there's two or three or maybe four with full hookups. And, Is there a store? No. Okay. Um, I mean, well, there's there's not like a store for general need, general groceries. Okay. Uh, but, you, of course, you can buy wood. Uh, ice, I would assume that. Kind I of believe stuff. so. I never want. I didn't have to buy any ice, but I had to obviously buy some wood. So, um, you know, those are some of the pros about the Roost Resort. Well, not many cons, honestly, because um, you know we kind of like the the quaintness of it, the smallness of it. The only downside that we can think of, which technically shouldn't be a downside of camping, but the Wi-Fi didn't work um, at our site. It's a little bit further away from from the uh, the router potentially um so you know site number five might be better for you but ours was ours was a little further out and we we kind of confirmed with the other campers around us that it wasn't working for them either so it may have just been a distance thing you know wi-fi at campgrounds you know they they say yeah we have great wi-fi and you get there and it's like they have no wi-fi yeah and and we're we're all guilty of it you know we part in part we go camping to get away from the wi-fi but having the 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 convenience of the wi-fi is awful nice so it, it was uh it wasn't again the world we used to have your cell phone we didn't get too bad at cell phone rece- reception so it wasn't bad um if we were to go again uh we would do spots 10 or 11 uh they're just a little bit bigger sure um you know another con that i just thought of honestly with the way our campsite was we had to in order for the dump station we had to go all the way out of the campground and then come back in Okay. Because um, the dump station was on the, the it would be the north side of the Did road. Did you have to dump within the three days that you were there? Have to? No. Okay. But we did. Okay. Yeah. So, again, a very nice couple. Uh, would highly recommend it. Uh, obviously, Patrick, you're headed there, and I think you'll find the the same the same results. So. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. The Roost Resort in uh, Custer, South Dakota. Well, I want to thank you, Heath, for being here. It's been a great episode, uh, and we're going to go on to uh, bringing Wendy back in to do our recipe um, that she always likes to make sure that we do with each episode. Food is good. Food's important. We'll see you soon, Heath. All right. See you, Patrick. Hi, Wendy. I'm back. Okay, so thanks, Heath, for filling in on your pH level. It's probably going to happen like once a month that we're going to have this special segment with Heath, and we really appreciate that. But now it's time for my recipe share, one of my favorite parts. Today's recipe is honey garlic chicken skewers. Oh, I love those. Those are so good. I know, and we're going to do these on the Blackstone. So there is uh, the recipe on Real Trailer Life on Pinterest if you want to see the recipe there. But quickly going through it, just get some oil, garlic, ginger, soy sauce. Ooh, some honey would be good to add to it too. And chicken breasts, you can add things like on your chicken skewers, the bell peppers if you like them, onions, Mushrooms. Oh, yeah, you could do mushrooms, too. I mean, anything that you can get on a skewer, get it on there. It'll be really good. I also like to have some fresh cilantro and some uh, sesame seeds to sprinkle all over all that. Anyway, the marinade part, get that all together. Um, Now, you're just marinating the chicken, right? Or just marinating the chicken in, like, a bowl, and you can put it in the fridge for an hour or so. You can just so it soaks up that good stuff, you know? Then you kind of... Stick that in the fridge for a while to sure. let it just soak up all that, that yeah. good stuff. And then skewer everything on your skewers and get rid of the marinade. You don't need that. Um, do you prefer if, Do you prefer metal skewers or wooden skewers? We use metal skewers. Okay. I like those better. Technically, you could do that ahead of time and have everything skewered together, put it in a Tupperware and 
cover it and marinate it all together. As you're traveling. As you're traveling, right? So then you get to the place, get your Blackstone set up, throw those puppies on there and Right, and we prefer to do it on the the Blackstone. And you can put your Blackstone on a medium heat and just lay them on there and rotate them until they're fully cooked. I mean, if you know me when I cook, I, I have a recipe, but I don't necessarily follow all of the directions as far as measurements and ingredients. I grew up Italian and we kind of go as we go and add what we want, but that's a quick, easy one. I mean, you could have salad with it, rice with it, potatoes, whatever you want. Just another easy cook meal that uh, we have when we're traveling in our trailer. Yeah, and super good and healthy. So in this episode's uh, photography tip, we're going to talk about shooting in RAW. RAW is a file format similar to like JPEG, but unlike JPEG, it captures all of the data that was captured by your sensor in your camera without compressing it and allowing your camera to post-process those images. When you shoot RAW, uh, you will get not only a higher quality image, but you will get a lot more uh, ability to adjust that image in post-processing. For instance, you'll be able to correct problems such as uh, over exposure or underexposure. Uh, it's easier to change color temperatures. Uh, it's easier to adjust white balance and contrast. The one downside to shooting in RAW is that the files take up a lot more space. And we have a lot of those lot more space places. Hard drives. Yeah, hard drives. Those are called hard drives. Yeah. We have lots of those. We have lots of those. Uh, and then uh, you will need uh, some type of uh, post-processing uh, post-processing software. You try saying that. I know it's not so easy. (laughs) Uh, So you need to invest in that. Uh, There's uh, plenty of free options out there. There are paid options out there. I prefer to use uh, Lightroom. And if you start shooting in RAW, I think that you're going to realize that the quality uh, of your images uh, is just going to be vastly improved. If you're enjoying Real Trailer Life podcasts, uh, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Real Trailer Life. You can also reach out to us at realtrailerlife.com. We do have a website out there that uh, has the podcasts out there, and there's photos out there, uh, and we're working on getting our blog up and running as well. And you can also reach out to Wendy or myself uh, at our email, us at realtrailerlife.com. And we'd love to hear from you if you have ideas, uh, things that you would want us to talk about, So on our next episode of Real Trailer Life, we're going to talk about how we set up our our campsite. So as you know, when we pull into the campsite, uh, what we do, uh, of course, we check in and all of that. But we're going to talk a little bit more about how we actually get uh, everything ready for a safe and successful campsite experience. Perfect. And until then, safe travels. I didn't like that answer, but okay. (laughs) Boom. And tips and, I don't know, no, I don't, like, you don't have that in the script, so I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'll take that part out. Sorry, Jim.